episode of the Wrestling With Fiction Podcast. Hang on. Where? Where'd the music go? Oh, no. Oh, God, please, no! A new funky track? Random insert of music after tradition? No. It's gonna be one thing. It's a bonus episode! Ladies, gentlemen, and ladies, gentlemen, my fictional friends, welcome to the Wrestling With Fiction Podcasts Backdrop Bonus! My name is Connor, and yes, this is my Backdrop Bonus, which is basically the podcast equivalent of a filler rock, because I I kind of just wanted an outlet to just talk about whatever I wanted in the world of wrestling. And I didn't want to do, like, a full-on review show, because I know a bunch of people already do reviews, and, you know, you know all the complications that come with making a podcast that's basically fantasy booking. So, backdrop bonus is my whatever-I-want type of scenario. And we're going to start off with a bang. Or at least what should have been a bang <laughs> by the end of the show. AEW's Revolution pay-per-view 2021 and I'm just gonna take a little bit more of a relaxed approach Uh, the energy's gonna be kind of like this and you know I'm gonna even add in some accompanying music because we I'm just gonna be talking about the show from top to bottom what I enjoyed what I didn't and just kind of the good the bad and the meh that's that's basically what we're doing today and Overall, just as a whole other thing, yeah, I thought it was a good show. Overall, I think the card from top to bottom had solid wrestling. I just think there were some angles that could have been done a little bit better. And we'll get to the one that I think I've already alluded to, though some of the emotional stuff is there. Spoilers! I may as well just put this out here now. Uh, This Saturday... Uh, the next edition of the Wrestling With Fiction podcast is going to be on Eddie Kingston. May may as well get that out of the way now. Let's get on to the main thing. So, first thing on my mind. It's actually the AEW buy-in. Because, by God, Maki Ito was there. Who who called that? Like, I, I don't think anyone really saw that coming. I think we were all just kind of expecting Reva to wrestle along with Britt Baker. Honestly, it might be my favourite surprise of the night. Like, don't get me wrong. People will talk about later. Great, great performance. But for me, Maki Ito, I was only really first introduced in the Women's Eliminator Tournament. Shameful, I know. And I, I just fell in love with her the minute that she came in just like the entrance the presentation the like her facial expressions I think she's flipping fantastic (laughs) like she fits the type of wrestler that I really enjoy you know like character based wrestlers I always find those more interesting than like amazing in-ring performers it's why I always liked Pentagon Jr. more than Phoenix and for me, Maki Ito kind of represents that, and I think would be a great addition to, like, the AEW women's division. I know she isn't signed, and I think she's still under contract with Tokyo Joshi Pro, but AEW, 
based off the reaction tonight, please sign Maki Ito. Please. For me. For for all the other people who just absolutely adored her for the past, like, tournament. And this week. And the Revolution pay-per-view. She was on it twice. And she's not even signed. Please. Please sign her. You had her on BTE with John Silver and the rest of the Dark Order. Please keep her here. Please. I mean, even with her whole like entrance, she was so happy. She was so happy to be there. Like, I, I want to talk about the rest of the match, but I, she was just so happy to be there. And the match was solid. Like, uh, Thunder Rosa and Riho. Solid ring performance. I especially liked Thunder Rosa and Maki Ito's like whole striking exchange. I thought that was great. I think they kept Brit good. I think I'm still waiting for Brit to get her, I guess, big break, which is weird to say. Because she's arguably the face of the AEW women's division. But they don't treat her like it. You know what I mean? Like... She was really pushed at the beginning of AEW as kind of the face of that division. Then she turned heel for a bit after the kind of babyface character didn't quite work. And then she's kind of been in loop or like limbo for a bit. And I I keep on thinking that it's got to be Britt Baker who's going to beat Sheeta for the belt, right? Like it doesn't feel like there's anyone else. Like realistically who would make sense at this point. That's kind of my basic thoughts. I'm happy that Marky, Ito, and Britt Baker won. I think that's kind of a good setup for Britt Baker, who I'm assuming is going to get the pinfall on Wednesday night, I'm assuming. I'm assuming she'll get the victory in the six-man tag match. As much as I love Ito, I, I feel like that's the type of thing that makes sense. But, moving on from the buy-in, we have the first match in the night. Uh... Young Bucks versus MJF and Chris Jericho. I I'll be honest, I, I I thought the match was pretty slow at the beginning. I I'm not gonna lie, I, I think the beginning I wasn't really that into. I think the build felt weird to me. Because it, it felt kind of rushed. You know what I mean? Like, the whole thing about, like, Pat Buck, or at least, yeah, I'm just going to call it Pat Buck in case I get it wrong. And him basically, like, shunting Chris Jericho. And then, you know, right before they get, like, an AEW tag team title match. And the whole thing with the father kind of felt rushed. Like, I kind of feel like you kind of needed more exchanges with the Young Bucks to build to this match a bit more. Like, I understand the whole, like, inner circle inner conflict, and the whole official tag team of the inner circle. Sammy Guevara leaving. Bunch of, like, really good stuff. But I felt like it was all so focused on that, that the tag titles kind of feel like they've been devalued a bit. Like, don't get me wrong, I think the AEW tag titles is probably, arguably the most prestigious, like, tag team title in wrestling right now. But I, I can't help but feel that focusing so much on the whole, like, inner circle conflict and kind of just focusing on the whole, like, father thing kind of took away from the belts, which is something that AEW's really tried to emphasize with its champions and, like, 
building these super strong champions. The match was definitely picked up by the end. I absolutely felt that. Like some of the like great counters and near falls in it, like the Lion Salt into the super kicks, the BTE trigger near fall, the Judas effect stuff. I I'm surprised that Jericho lost clean. For me, I kind of felt that Jericho losing clean, it has to set up for like MJF taking over this Wednesday, right? Or at least building some layers of deception. This could potentially be the Sammy Guevara return. Like, we'll we'll get to more stuff about that later. And I I don't know. I like I didn't think MJF and Jericho would win the tag titles. Definitely not. But at the same time, I was kind of expecting something like some form of interference in there. You know, like Sammy Guevara returning or something with Santana and Ortiz, some more dysfunction in the inner circle. I I enjoyed the match, especially near the end, but I felt like it was missing something. And for a match that's been so focused on like Matt and Nick Jackson going for the revenge against Pat Buck. Not not against Pat Buck. In honour of their father. I I felt like it needed something else to kind of like push it over the edge. You know what I mean? Like, I I loved the Young Bucks' sort of like ferocity in this match. But I kind of wish there was a little bit more. I I hope that kind of makes sense. I This is a whole rambling thing. This is why this thing exists. <laughs> so, next thing. Uh... It was the Casino Battle Royal, which I really enjoyed. It is it my favorite match of the night? Maybe uh, it depends. I guess I love Death Triangle. They're great. I I love Pack. Phoenix has just gone over the moon since he signed with the company. I love myself some Dark Order. They've They've really grown into lovable, adorable baby faces. Uh, kind of surprised that Death Triangle won, but also not surprised. I, I think it's great that they won because it's, it's a water. Jesus, what am I saying? Mouth-watering match. Death Triangle versus the Young Bucks. That sounds amazing. But. I kind of think it undermines the tag division a bit that a tag team that got one squash match a week before the pay-per-view won the Battle Royal. And I, I get why you would do it. Pack is basically a main event level star in AEW. Phoenix is a rising star, ironically, like a Phoenix. But I, I can't help but feel that, you know, like a proper tag team that's kind of grinded throughout the year should have won this. Like, don't get me wrong, I loved the final sequence, Phoenix and Jungle Boy, that was fantastic. I think the stuff with John Silver and Pac was excellent. I I just feel like they should have, like, had more matches to eventually build up to them winning. You know what I mean? Especially for, like, a company that really prides itself on, like, having these definitive big wins and big matches to lead up to this thing. I... I'm excited for the match, and I'm happy that Death Triangle won, but I I can't help but feel that it should have been someone like Reynolds and Silver, or the Jurassic Express. 
that's just me. I'm I'm sure people were absolutely happy with this result. I'm I'm happy with it. I I just can't help but feel like it should have been someone who was more established in the tag division rather than just thrusting Penta and not Penta, Phoenix and Pack straight into the tag title match. Like I feel like if you're gonna do that, you should have done it with the Lucha Bros. <laughs> you know what I mean? Anyways, enjoyed that match. It's just me kind of being overly critical. Additionally to that, we get on to the next match of the night. Ryo Mizunami versus Hikaru Shida. Very lovely match. Love this strong style match. You know, enjoyed the little video package of Ryo and Hikaru Shida just kind of battering the living S-word out of each other. Loved that. You know... I don't think it was the time or the right person to take the belt off of Shida. So I think the result was good. Uh, where's my thing? I think... Uh, I I still think there's more work that needs to be done with the women's division. I know, I know, it is, it is the thing that everyone says. I feel like I'm being overly critical <laughs> for a product that I do really enjoy. I promise I do enjoy it. I... I really enjoyed the match. I think Hikaru Shida is a fantastic worker who I kind of think is more undervalued now that she's been a champion for so long. I think that because she's kind of been a champion for so long, we're all kind of like not really appreciating what she does. Because I don't think there's really any other people in that division who could have carried it for as long as she did, especially in the pandemic era. Like, you look at Nyla Rose, you look at Britt Baker's a potential one, but I still think that they kind of needed to flesh out her heel character a bit more at the time. Like, when Sheena went for the belt. Uh, Penelope Ford didn't really quite feel ready. Uh, Big Swole, charismatic, but kind of need a little bit more ring experience. Anna Jay, kind of diamond in the rough at this point. Kind of want to build that up. Tay Conti, who I think has been doing great stuff. Kind of not ready for it. So I think Shida was probably the only real logical choice at the time. And I feel I feel like it's going in the right direction. I think the six-man tag match they set up was solid. The only thing I hope is that they can actually start including more women's matches on Weekly Dynamite. That's all I ask for. <laughs> That's all I'm asking for, AEW. Please do that for me. You got Shade Cargill. You kind of want to present as a big star and that you did. You kind of built up Red Velvet by accident. Please, do this for me. Moving on from that, we have the Face of the Revolution ladder match. Or just a ladder match. <laughs> it was Lance Archer, Scorpio Sky, Max Caster, Cody, and Penta El Zero Miedo. See, Penta, it's cool to see you back, man. I missed you. <laughs> just really nice to see Pentagon. I... I feel like in the Lucha Bros, he's kind of been the forgotten one, which is an absolute shame because I loved his work in Lucha Underground. He's probably probably my favorite who came out of there. It was great to see him in this match, you know, get a couple of really good moves in there, especially on like Cody Rhodes, the Canadian Destroyer onto Cody. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, Cody Rhodes. Uh, I understand why you'd put him in this match. I... He's a big star in that company. He's arguably the ace of AEW. And it kind of makes any match that's with him a big deal. I don't know if he was a great fit for this match. 
I I understand you probably had, you know, all everyone in that tag team battle royal filled up. I didn't talk about every single tag team in there, like Bear Country, <laughs> but completely understand. But I can't help but feel that there could have been someone else you could have put in there who was also experienced. I think Dustin Rhodes may have been a good choice. I think that would have been an interesting pick. Uh, but that's that's not taking into account what the match was. It was a good match. Definitely a good match. I feel like I'm going into all different places. Good match. I think Ethan Page. I I wasn't really expecting Ethan Page. I, I get it now in hindsight. Like him leaving Impact. Kind of not hearing from him since. It, it does seem like an AEW debut. Especially wasn't... There wasn't any, like, hearings of recent signings. I think he's a great pickup for AEW. Like, his promo skills were solid. I still remember his stuff back in his, like, Evolve days. Like, him cutting promos on Johnny Gargano and thinking, this guy could be really something. You know, like, a really good, like, top singles heel. You know, he's got... I argue he's got, like, Mike skills up there with EC3. You know? Like, very... Like, very well-spoken, very well-delivered. I think the sky's the limit for him. And, he, you know, he's really proved himself in Impact Wrestling with the whole, like, North title run. And just basically his creativity in, like, his YouTube page. I think he's going to be... I think if he's on Being the Elite, he might potentially become one of the funniest things on the show if given time. Uh, other things in there. Lance Archer, you're flipping awesome, mate. <laughs> I... I love me a bit of Lance Archer. Like, the rising knee striker hit on Scorpio Sky hitting him through the ladder. Uh, the stuff with Scorpio Sky, I felt was pretty solid. I... I'm happy that he won the match. I'm surprised that he won. He did great. I'm I'm happy for him, you know, just coming off of injury and winning that match. Interesting match that we're going to get in the future. Darby Allen versus Scorpio Sky. Uh, based on what happens later, I have no idea if Darby's gonna win. <laughs> I, I think they could actually just drop the belt to Scorpio Sky, because his, Darby's reign has kind of been middle of the road so far. So, happy result, I think it's a good way to re-establish Sky in the kind of AEW, like, title picture. I think he's kind of, it's weird, he's been, throughout all of 2020, I felt like he's been fairly underutilized like ever since he lost the tag titles it kind of feels like he's kind of been lost in the shuffle like he felt like ah oh, man i was about to say most out of place but i feel like that would be max caster because like don't get me wrong i i absolutely adore the acclaimed <laughs> i think i feel like they are destined to be the future of the AEW tag team division i I don't think Max Cast is quite there yet. His promo stuff is solid. I think this was definitely a good match to establish him as more of a legitimate threat, which is always good. I don't know if he should have been in this match, but that's just me. Overall, I, I'm getting lost on a tangent here. Scorpio Sky, cool decision. Uh, really excited to see him face Darby Allen. Cool. Uh... Next thing, we had, uh, the cinematic match! <laughs> the, 
Darby Allen and Sting versus Team Taz. And it was a cinematic match where they just fully stuck with the whole hoodlum thing. Ah! So, I want to say this. I was not at all that invested in the build. I I loved Sting's debut, as I think a lot of people did. I kind of feel that they really dropped the ball with Sting. Like, kind of very overexposed in the build, like coming out week to week, kind of a lot of the same things until, I'd say, the last three weeks of television. Uh, it kind of felt like he became the mo- main focal point of the story rather than Darby Allen, which I think should have been the thing, considering he's kind of the whole reason that Team Taz exists. Just me. Uh, out of all things, I think it... Weirdly enough, I think this feud established Team Taz more than it did Darby Allen. Because I think coming out of this, they looked really good. Like, even just, like, the build-up of it. I think... Even though I'm not the biggest fan of Brian Cage, I think he looked incredibly menacing. Uh, Ricky Starks, love him. Love his stuff in NWA when he was there. Love his stuff now. I think he's a great addition to that group. Future breakout star. Uh, They definitely made Powerhouse Hobbs. Happy with that. Hook. He's Hook. (laughs) It's kind of hard to tell with him at this point because he's so early into his career what he'll be. Uh, excited for him, though. They're definitely pushing him in a big position. Like, they had him fight Sting for, like, two or three minutes. <laughs> like, you're having a 21-year-old punch the living S1 out of a legend. <laughs> yeah, they clearly have something for him. <laughs> I... This was another of Darby Allen's classic student short films. So much so that he, you know... Developed it himself, sort of. I think it was like 90% of it was Darby Allen's own input. And I think you could see it in his entrance. And to be fair, I felt like watching this match, I kind of... I felt like I <laughs> I had some amnesia. Because I completely forgot about the build of this match. Like, I think the match was that good that I completely forgot about the build and just enjoyed it. it it's like with the WWE video packages, you know? Where, yeah, you listen to it for a bit, and like you've you've seen the weeks of build, and there there've been some underwhelming builds, but you see the video package, it's like yeah, yeah, you know I I want to see him get beaten up. <laughs> it's like wait a minute, I just spent a month not believing this thing. Anyways, uh, I think the match kind of made Team Tesla cool as a unit, uh. I think Darby Allen pretty much died at the end of the match. <laughs> like, the, the last part. How how selfish was Sting? <laughs> like, he... Darby Allen essentially falls off to his near death. And Sting, he just... He just looks down for like a couple seconds like, Well, I gotta go pin Ricky Starks. <laughs> and just... He does that. And then they win. <laughs> I, I think this match was a brawl and a car wreck and probably one of the best cinematic matches that we've had in a while, especially for me and my own kind of like personal taste in wrestling. 
I'm curious what you do with Team Tez now, purely because I, I don't know what they do next. They've had their whole thing be based around Darby Allen. My only guess would be Cody, just because that's the only other real Fred that Team Tez has. Like, John Moxley's out of commission, so nothing really there. Uh, yeah, that's all I can really see, maybe. Unless you want to continue it partially by having, like, Powerhouse Hobbs go for the TNT title, or, like, Ricky Starks. But even then, it kind of feels like you're treading water on something that's lasted over a year. Uh, uh, before we get to the main event, I've realized I've, I've missed out Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor versus Miro and Kip Sabian. Uh, Miro looked awesome in this match. Like, everything that he did to Chuck Taylor. I, I'm not going to be too long on this because I kind of want to get to the main event. Uh, loved his stuff. Teased a little dissension between him and Kip Sabian. All for that. I think it's time for Miro to kind of go his separate ways. I'm kind of afraid if they do that, they're going to turn Kip Sabian face, which I don't really agree with. I like him as a heel a lot more. But overall, good stuff. The right team won, I think. And you can start putting Miro potentially in a more singles capacity. I'm thinking Darby Allen would be a great choice at this point. I think there'll be a fun dynamic there. Uh, Moving on to the main event. Kenny Omega versus Dean Ambrose. Not Dean Ambrose. Oh my god. <laughs> oh no. It's all the fault of WWE video packages. Kenny Omega versus John Moxley. Forget the Dean. Get rid of the Dean. Ah. No. No. Oh my god. It's my it's my AEW full gear predictions all over again. I nearly forgot a match. I'm getting people's names wrong. No. So, Darby Allen. No! <laughs> no! <sighs> Kenny Omega versus John Moxley in an exploding barbed wire death match. Okay. So, to get proper context for this match, I I watched it twice. I I think for me, this match was fantastic. I think for what it did for, like, wrestling psychology, it was very interesting. Like, making the most basic move, like an Irish whip, seem like the most dangerous move in all of pro wrestling. Cool. The blood and gore isn't really going to be something that everyone loves. For me, I enjoyed it. It was a nice change of pace. I I think just because I don't watch a lot of death matches, it kind of reminded me of Randy Orton versus Mick Foley. Just from the blood capacity. Uh, apart from that, I think Kenny was the right person to go over. Uh, John Moxley losing. I don't think he really loses anything. He technically kicked out of the one wing angel, but he didn't. With the exploding barbed wire stuff. I think that was a very creative way to get out of a situation. It was gory. It was bloody. I think it was kind of everything that people were expecting. And for me, at this point, I think the pay-per-view kind of over-delivered on what it was bringing on. Because I think compared to Revolution 2020, I don't think it was as strong as a card. Just from my own personal tastes. And for me, as a lot of people have been through with this whole thing, uh, the ending 
the whole exploding barbed wire part. The explosion. The boom, boom. Let's go, ignite. Elevation right to the flash of light. Then they go, oh, it means it's time. Light the fuse. They didn't light enough of them. <laughs> so, I, first of all, I think it's ironic that a show called AEW Dynamite did not have enough TNT. I think that's kind of funny. Uh, I kind of agree with all people said. Just, it's very disappointing what happened. Like, the whole explosion. Uh, kind of not living up to people's expectations. I think the emotional value of it was really good. Eddie Kingston coming out there. He's got to be the next challenger for Kenny Omega, right? Like that. This kind of feels like what that was setting up for. I... Oh, how do I put this? That's clever. Or good. Or intricate. Or just something that doesn't sound like I'm rambling. Or repeating stuff. I... In a weird way... I'm kind of happy that AEW screwed up. Not not in a way that I want to see like the company fail. Because that's absolutely not the case. If if you listen to this podcast before, I've gushed over AEW several times. I I'm glad that it messed up purely to confirm that I I really enjoy this company and I love the stuff that it makes. Because sometimes to like really know if you love something, you gotta see the thing that you love, do something bad. And for me, I don't know if this was as bad as the Dark Order stuff. I think people were blowing it out of proportion. Pun not intended. And I I think you gotta cut AEW some slack. Like, this was a match that had a lot of errors that could occur in it. And if the only error that you really had in a match involving exploding barbed wire was that a couple bits of pyrotechnics didn't quite work... I think that overall, that's not really a bad, not, no, not not fully a bad thing. Not fully a bad thing, because it was a bad thing, but it wasn't completely bad. I think, I think it's good that they're at least trying to retcon it post-match and really trying to kind of put stuff around it. I respect that. But it's, I, I don't know where you go from here from that ending which is both exciting and also kind of terrifying because I assume you're going into Kenny versus Kingston uh I don't know what you do with Team Tez because they're kind of lost I don't know what you do with them after being battered by Sting and Darby essentially dying (laughs) I I wonder who you put with Darby next, or if you're just going to have him drop the belt to Scorpio Sky. Because I I don't know who you'd have him face at this point. My, My first thought was kind of Miro, just so you can build that up. I... Ugh. Hmm. You could tell I'm losing my mind here. <laughs> so... I think I might just end it there, just from talking about stuff. Overall, I thought it was a good show. I think the ending always kind of being paramount kind of dragged the show down a lot by a lot of people's standards, myself included. 
But I think it's kind of a good thing just to kind of show that no company's perfect. I think that's one thing you could take away with it. Like, like if WWE made the exact same mistake, which arguably they have with various other spots and situations, we, we would still give them another chance. And for me, I think AEW kind of deserves that respect as well. Like, don't get me wrong, it was not the best idea. I, I agree with some stuff that WrestleTalk said, for example, that they should have had a second plan or plan B for this. But I think you got to cut them some slack with this. I They've built enough trust with me and I think with a lot of wrestling fans that I think they should be given, like, a, l a little bit of leverage here. Like, I, I think there's still so much good about AEW, and there's so much, like, fun unpredictability that you can have. Hell, Christian signed, we didn't even mention that. Christian signed, and I know that's kind of like, oh, it should have been CM Punk. Oh, it should have been Kurt Angle. I, I, I think Christian's still a great choice. That's a whole other debacle. I think he's a great signing for the company. I don't feel like he's going to be on Dynamite that much. I feel like he's perfect to kind of be one of the flagship people on Elevation. Like, he kind of feels like someone who'd be great at sort of, like, helping younger talent there. And yeah, that's kind of all my basic thoughts of it. Good show. Kind of feels some of the results were interesting. Some kind of questionable. But still enjoyable nonetheless. I, I've said I a lot, <laughs> so I'm going to end it there. <laughs> y you could tell this is a backdrop bonus because there's, there's no professionalism. <laughs> there's no professionalism with me here. So anyways, I hope you have a lovely day. Let's just see what the hell they do on AEW Dynamite for this Wednesday night. And remember everyone, wrestling could always use just a little bit more fiction. See you all. Good night, everybody.